The New York Times is telling us why people hate religion. And guess what? It won't be biblical. Also, where and what is causing homosexuality? Is there a gay gene? Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin, and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And today's episode, we have a number of stories that I really want to get into. But before we get to that, uh, I wanted to give a little bit of an announcement. I'm actually going to be speaking in Texas coming up just in a couple weeks, actually on Thursday, September 19th. From 6 to 8 p.m., we will be at the Hampton Inn in Bulverde. Uh, the address there is 499 Singing Oaks, Event Rooms uh, Salon C, in Spring Branch, Texas, 78070. For you guys who want to check that out, I'll be giving a teaching there, a little bit on doctrine and discernment. It's part of the speaker series put on by uh, one of the uh, Sister churches we have there, one of the the home groups that meets there in Texas, in Belverde, Texas. So we're really, really excited about it. Uh, Last month, they actually had Jacob Prash, and now they'll be having me come and speak. So it's a little speaker series they've been putting together on discernment and doctrine and things that that are really important to them. So if you are in the Texas area, we would love to see you. If you come out to the event, I'd love to meet with you, talk with you. If you want to talk doctrine or anything like that, uh, just love uh, discussing scripture and meeting one with another with uh, our brethren. So I'd love to meet you out there. Also, before we get in the news stories, uh, I want to talk about some praise reports. You know, this last uh, couple weeks, we've had a number of them, some really, really cool ones. In fact, I was blessed enough. Uh, many of you guys know who've been following the podcast show long enough. You guys know I've been a, a wrestling coach. I was an assistant coach for six years and then a head coach for the last five years and then finally stepped down when my wife uh, was pregnant with our fourth kid. And um, actually, we started my first year as a head coach with one and then we added another and another and adding that last one it was going to be just a little too much work uh, for us at the home and she was going to need me a little too much to extend myself so much ministerially uh, at my work as well, and then also at the wrestling room. So I decided uh, with much prayer and fasting even and uh, longing and just asking the Lord that I would step down, but I've got to see some awesome fruit in the last year. And three young men who I've seen, one of them uh, knew Christ now for a number of years, but the other two that came to Christ, uh, one in the last year or so, or maybe the last couple months, and the other one definitely in the last couple months, uh, all got baptized in uh, the last couple of weeks. And it's been really a blessing. We started off with Nico. And if you guys listened to the episode I did in Mexico, you might have heard me interviewing and talking with Nico and Armon. And they were two of the guys that baptized. One of them we did with Pastor Joe up in uh, in one of the ho- house here in Simi Valley. Uh, Nico was able to share his testimony with a number of people. Uh, I got to share a little bit about my uh, relationship with him and uh, getting uh, him to know the Lord and, and growing him. 
And then Joe was able to share the gospel, and it was really cool because somebody came to the Lord. And now that uh, young lady who came to the Lord, Nico Tomi, has been discipled and is following the Lord now for the last uh, month or so uh, that she gave her life to Christ. So it's been an awesome story. And then Armand was a very interesting one. He was uh, he was atheist uh, growing up, uh, didn't believe in God, and then got really into philosophy. And uh, I know he was listening to Joe Rogan and then got put onto Jordan Peterson. And then when he was listening to Jordan Peterson, I kind of encouraged him on maybe some philosophers that were more Christian-minded. And then eventually he ended up giving his life to Christ. And we baptized him on the beach in uh, in Malibu here, same place I was baptized about uh, almost 11 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and then he actually immediately after coming to Christ started witnessing to one of his friends who wrestled for me named Daniel. And uh, Daniel, he's got a really cool story too because he was an atheist. Um, I think he was getting into weird new age stuff and, and whatnot. And uh, it's really cool though. He gave his life to Christ and after giving his life to Christ, he wanted to get baptized. And uh, we were able to do that uh, for him last week. And uh, guys, I'm telling you, there is nothing more precious, nothing more awesome than seeing people come to the Lord. Whatever you're doing in your life, whatever walk you're in, it doesn't matter what you have in front of you, what the Lord has put to your hands. You need to do it with all of your might and you need to do it for the glory of the Lord. And when you can share with somebody the truths of scripture, when you can share with somebody what, not only with your walk and how you are walking, how you present your, how you present Jesus to the people around you, but you also have intelligent answers, okay? Answers from scripture and then you can biblically answer your faith. Um, I think it was Jay Warner Wallace who recently said, or maybe said a long time ago, that uh, basically that evangelism now is now spelled apologetics, because that's one of the most important things is having a reason for your faith. So I just want to encourage you guys in that, sharing through the scriptures uh, with people and watching them come to faith. There is nothing more awesome than to see the kingdom of darkness lose somebody for the kingdom of light. There's nothing more awesome than that and and see the, see their hearts changed. Uh, so I had to give that praise report because uh, honestly, what else? What's the reason for doing all this? Why do we come together? Why, why are we at a church every Sunday? It's because I want to see people. I want God glorified. I want to see people come to know him. That's why we do Good Friday radio shows. That's why we do the 511 News. We want people to be edified in the body of Christ. We want people to go out and not just sit there and, and hide it under a bushel, but get this information, go out and share the gospel, share the truths of scripture with people and let them come to know know their Lord Jesus. So praise God. And let's get right into it after that uh, awesome praise report. I think it was, but I'm biased. But nonetheless, uh, let's go to a New York Times article, okay, by Timothy Egan. All right. He wrote, and I remember seeing just a quote from it and the quote, and I'll read it in a little bit, what that they used to advertise it on Twitter. And one of the things that he said, this is the name of the article. It says, why people hate religion. Of course, according to the New York Times, we're going to get some great spiritual truths here. And he says, the charlatans and phonies preen and punish. Now, I would agree there's some charlatans out there and some phonies, but let's see where he is going to go. He said, while those of real faith do Christ's work among refugees. So his entire premise is that if you're not working the refugees, that's pretty much what he goes through. He shows the a lot of Catholicism is what he goes through, uh, a lot of. But he says this in the article. He says, quote, Religious hypocrites are an easy and eternal mark. The French Revolution was driven in part by the revulsion of starving peasants toward the overfed clerics who had taken vows of poverty. 
The Protestant Reformation took flight on disgust at a church in Rome that sold passages to heaven, enriching men who had multiple mistresses after taking vows of chastity. Now, I have no problem with that. Okay, that's uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Okay, if you read Luther's 95 Thesis, you'll see a ton of different, you know, you go through the list of all 95, warning about taking these alms, taking this money and acting as if now you can get, be freed. The more money you give, then you're... Then your friends and family that are stuck in purgatory can get out of purgatory and go into heaven if you just pay enough money. And that is demonic, absolutely demonic. That is nonsense. It's ridiculous. And there's a reason why we are we still are protesting. That's why you are part of the Protestant church, because you protest what Rome taught and what they still currently teach under their catechisms. Uh, but I'll go a little further. The very next paragraph is, after saying how the Protestant Reformation took flight on disgust at the Church of Rome for the stuff that they did, then says, quote, White evangelical Christians, the rotting core of Trump's base, profess to be guided by biblical imperatives. They're not. Their religion is Plato. They have become more like Trump, not the other way around. It's a devil's pact to use words they would understand. Now, let me stop there to just go a little forward on this nonsense Because, notice that he said, their religion is like Plato. I would argue that this man, I'm sure, is pro-homosexual, pro-baby murder. And yet, when we look at it, the churches that are more like Plato are those that completely push inerrancy and the sufficiency of Scripture to the side. Those are the ones that are like Plato. The emergent church that would agree with this article. Those are the ones like Plato because they don't have a standard to go back to. They go off their feelings. They go whatever the culture accepts and they are seeker sensitive and they want people outside. What do you want us to teach? What's going to pull you in? And this is the kind of nonsense that we see over and over while there was a nice uptick for a lot of people. Look at Robert Schuller. What happened to the cathedral? The Crystal Cathedral. You had this glorious Crystal Cathedral they built. And guess what they had to do? Sell it to Catholics. Okay? Because eventually, those people don't really care because they've formed a God in their own image and they just go off by the wayside. And they turn aside to myths and to fables. They are the true the true ones like Plato. And here, he's going to continue. Okay? This devil's pack he talks about. And I want to point this out. Okay? I, I think this is obviously... Uh, a character assassination on anyone who would vote for Trump. Uh, I'm not personally someone who voted for Trump, but I have no problem with believers who said, hey, I see and recognize that Trump, uh, you know, will bring about pro-life, you know, initiatives. I don't think he has necessarily done that, so to speak, but definitely we've had the most pro-life legislation in recent memory passed over and over under Trump's uh, administration. I think Mike Pence was the first sitting vice president to actually speak at a pro-life conference. I mean, there, there are a lot of great things that I could say. There's also some terrible things I could say. And it's sad that I have to caveat that every time <laughs> because uh, people seem to, you know, take these stances that if you're not pro-Trump, you're really not part of the enemy's agenda. And if you're not against Trump, you're part of the enemy's agenda. And I think there's a middle ground there where we can say we can recognize goods and we can re- good things that he does and recognize recognize terrible things that he does, the support for gay marriage and and things like that. But to then say that they are the rotting core of Trump's base, that they are, they've made a devil's pact with him. I think that's not only just ridiculous and disgusting kind of language to use 
to equate, you know, maybe voting for Trump as making a pact with the devil. I think that's demonic. I think that's degenerate. And I think this is a disgusting article written by a disgusting man who's a hypocrite, in all honesty. But I'll continue to read because I'm sure he's going to use some great biblical exegesis. Because he says, in one of the most explicit passages of the New Testament, Christ says people will be judged by how they treat the hungry, the poor, the least among us. And yet, only 25% of white evangelicals say their country has some responsibility to take in refugees. Now, we could get into a whole caveat, and I don't really want to in this episode because I don't have enough time, but we could get into an entire caveat of what, what should we do with refugees that are coming into our country? And do you actually have a country if you don't have borders? Do you actually have a country if you don't have rules that you live by? But what I want to talk about is the text that he's specifically talking about, because he actually put a link to Matthew chapter 25. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 25, and I want to read at length here, because I think it's really important, because I do believe this verse is taken out of context a lot of times, okay? And I'm going to read, uh, like I said, a majority of it, so you can get a real good background so you don't think I'm taking it out of context. But uh, starting in verse 31, it says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. Here we go. Verse 35. For I, speaking of Jesus, was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them you did to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and you did, did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Then these will go into eternal punishment, and the righteous into eternal life. I want to point out two major, major things in that text. One thing, this is to Jesus. Another thing, this is to his brethren. Okay? As much as I've seen these texts over and over again to try to convince you to give money to these organizations that are using it for witnessing, and that's great that you're trying to do that. Guys, the fact is, is that when we look at this text, it is talking about the least of them within Christ, those who are part of Christ, okay? We're supposed to even love our enemies, right? But guess what? We love 
everyone outside, but especially the household of God. There is a special... Guys, when we are adopted into Christ, okay, when when God adopts us, that we can call Abba Father, that we become part of His part of His kingdom. It says, it says of this, okay, you have in First John chapter three, the children of God and the children of the devil, okay, the children of God and the children of the devil. Those who practice righteousness are righteous, just as He is righteous. Those who practice sin are of the devil. Okay, there is a big, big difference whether you are part of the whosoevers that came after the will of God or whether you are not. Okay, there's a big difference. I'm not saying that means we can't help refugees. That's not what that is saying. Okay, and I'm going to tell you this as a Christian, my heart breaks on both sides because there are some legitimate people that are coming here for help. And I understand if I was a father in some other country and it was horrible and I was worried about my family getting raped or something, yeah, I would love to come to another country. But there are laws that we need to abide in. The Bible does mention about slavery. It says, if you can be free, be free. Uh, But guys, it's very, very important that we understand that we are abiding by our laws and wanting lawlessness is also not a biblical thing. Okay, it's one thing to say, hey, I want to help refugees. Maybe I want to support these people. It's another to say, well, if you're not like this and you're not helping these people, you're part of these hypocrites, you're, you've made a devil's pact. I think that is beyond the, the scope of biblical Christianity. I don't believe that guy's anywhere near it. Speaking of beyond the scope of biblical Christianity, did you know that Satanist, over half of them according to uh, Lucy and Greaves, actually says that most of them identify as LGBTQ. In an interview for the documentary Hail Satan, published in Attitude Magazine, Satanic Temple co-founder Lucian Greaves claimed that nearly half of Satanists identify as LGBTQ. Greaves said, quote, it would be a conservative estimate to say that more than 50% of our membership is LGBTQ. I think that's because they feel disowned and disenfranchised from the traditional religious institutions. We're all Satanists, and it's not like we have tolerance for trans people or gay people or sex workers. We just don't blinking care. And a lot of people in those communities appreciate that. We just don't blinking care. (laughs) This is basically what he's saying. The problem is, guys, is not that me or any other Christian that I know actually cares, quote unquote, about the sin of homosexuality, we care about the person practicing it and where their heart is and where their salvation is concerning Christ because they are not part of the body of Christ. That is the thing. Okay, we have an objective standard we go off from. Do you know what the objective standard, the subjective standard of the Church of Satan is? Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That whatever you want to do, you can do. That is is the entire premise of Satanism. That's why they don't care. Because everything is about them. It's all selfishness. It's not about the person caught up in homosexuality. It's not about the person caught up even in pedophilia. It's not about that. It's all about themselves. And that's the difference. Yes, they should feel they should feel love from us, those outsiders. But the problem is conviction bring separation a lot of times. When you convict someone of their sin, when you call them out for their sin, sometimes that brings separation. Jesus warned that, right? It comes not bring peace but a sword, right? Right in between the own household, right? 
yeah, it doesn't matter if your brother or sister or mother or father, there's going to be separation there when they want to practice sin and you don't. So our heart is not that we reform someone so that they practice things and now you're, now you're a better person, but a heart change. And that heart change will lead to a change of action. When somebody gets a new heart, they recognize their identity is in Christ and not in their sexual promiscuity. When someone gets a new heart, they no longer run in dissipations and wickedness. Okay? They're not trying to fill up this empty void. You know, Shia LaBeouf talked about that. You know, he bought his bought a house for his parents, thought everything was great. You know, the, the, finally, I'll be happy. He said he had a God-shaped hole. He had no idea how to fill it. Tom Brady out there winning Super Bowls and football season's about to start. I think by the time this airs, the first game <laughs> will have already taken place on Thursday night. First game of the year. And Tom Brady, all the Super Bowls in the world, married to a supermodel, all the money. I think she's worth more money than him. And they have all the money they could ever have. They even have kids. And yet he's not fulfilled. There's a reason why he's 40-something years old and he wants to play pretty much forever. It's because that's the only thing that continues that chase of the vapor as it just mists away over and over again, chasing after the wind, as the Bible calls it. It's very sad, and it breaks my heart for them because I, I know what it's like to chase after that wind. I know what it's like to chase after something and thinking, well, maybe once I buy the house, maybe when I get the wife and kids, or maybe when I get this, that you look at these ideas and these ideas will eventually fulfill you, but really all it is, merely a mirage. You never find the water and all you do is get run dry every day and every night and Satan will figure out different ways to make you feel so quote unquote fulfilled. I think as Bethel called it for the uh, homosexuals. Those who are living in a fulfilled homosexual life. But uh, I don't want to get off on that tangent. So what does this say about homosexuality? Where does it even come from? How, how, how is somebody a homosexual? You know, a recent article by Owen Jones stated this, quote, New research has shown that the long-fabled gay gene does not exist. But, of course, it's an op-ed article. <laughs> for the Guardian, and they're pro-homosexual. So even though they can't find it genetically, hey, we're still going to say, you know, they're still going to move the uh, move the goalpost here and we'll figure out different ways to say it's not their fault they're gay. And he says this, the same person who said there's no gay gene said this, quote, then there's the old homophobic trope that people, quote, choose to be gay and that falling in love with someone of the same gender is a lifestyle choice, a perverse myth long used to punish LGBTQ people and fuel the horror of so-called gay conversion therapy. Now, this gay conversion therapy stuff, okay, that people are talking about, if we're talking about believers saying this is sinful, we need to not do it anymore, and here are different ways to meditate on the scriptures, different ways to write God's word in your heart that you may not sin against him, we're talking about something biblical. That's what God wants in us. He wants a repentant heart towards him, that no longer wants the things of this world, that dies to themselves every day, that says, I, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's a life of self-sacrifice. That is the greatest 
identifiable property of New Testament Christianity. It is self-sacrifice that you give yourself to Jesus Christ. You give yourself to the body of believers. You give yourself to the lost world so that, guess what? They could come to know him. That The body of believers that you are around could, guess what? You sacrifice for them so that they will be edified to know him more and that you would seek after him, that you would grope after him with everything in you. That is what we want for every single person. A joy that doesn't leave once your sexual exploits are done. A joy that doesn't leave once you're no longer drunk, once you're no longer on drugs and antidepressants. A joy that never leaves because it's fixed on a hope and that hope that is in Jesus. And he says this towards the end of his article, quote, but while the research may be interesting, it is surely irrelevant. <laughs> that There's no gay gene. It's irrelevant. Believing that LGBTQ people choose their sexuality belongs in the same bin as flat earthism and climate emergency denial. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense. This is just jargon, man. This is just goofballedness, okay? The fact is, you just <laughs> read, there's no gay gene. It's a myth. There's nothing we can do. Now, he goes into different factors, and I actually believe in some of those factors. In fact, in a 2009 study, it was found this, guys. In the bisexual community, and this is a little more popular right now because an NFL player by the name of Ryan Russell came out. He played for Tampa Bay a couple years ago and he came out as bisexual. Now, some people say he might have come out so he can get back on a football team because he spent last year, no one picked him up. And then he came, tried out for a team. They didn't pick him up and now he's writing articles about he's bisexual. Okay? But a 2009 study showed that 74% of those who identify as bisexual admit to having experienced underage sexual abuse. That's almost three quarters of every bisexual identifying person saying they were abused as children. On a side note, homosexuals Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, George Takai, and Milo Yiannopoulos, all of them, guess what? Not Not only are all of them practicing homosexuals, but all of them admit to being sexually abused as children. I believe this is a huge factor. You know what Jesus says about these people? Luke 17, 1 through 2. I'm talking about the abusers, by the way. And then what's sad is the abusers a lot of times become abusers. He said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Then he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. You pedophiles, you child molesters, guess what? It'd be better to have a millstone wrapped around your neck, Mr. Epstein, and all the people who visited his weirdo island. That's what God's word said. That's what the Lord of Lords says. It'd be better for you to have a millstone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the middle of the ocean. And what's sad is the effect it has. Just like God warns about the Pharisees. He said, you shut out the kingdom of God to these people and you, don't, you yourselves don't enter. And that's what happens. These young kids get molested. They get used and abused. It's heartbreaking. But guess what else God's word says? It says in Matthew 15, 18 through 20, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, sexual morality, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things that defile a man. 
Those are the things that defile a man. And where do they come? They come from a sinful, unbelieving heart. That is where homosexuality, fornication, adultery, slanders, liars, all these different things, it comes from a a heart that's not regenerate. And that is the difference between the believer and the non-believer. It's those who practice righteousness that God has given a new heart because you've humbled yourselves, come to faith in Christ, and you gain access to his grace by that faith. And when you come to him, he is the one. Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. That you need to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That he is the one who can change the leper's spots. He is the one who can make straight that, is, that which is bent. Yeah, that includes the homosexual. <laughs> okay? Because he gives us a new heart with new desires. We become a new man, a new creation. And when we become a new creation... We have a heart that is not bent on evil, bent on wickedness. We have a new heart that we strive after him, that we become conformed to the image of his son. And he wants us to be new. And once we become new, he gives us a job. You know what that job is? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You are a new creation. All the old things pass away. And when you become a new creation, you have a job immediately. You become a reconciler. You become an ambassador for Christ. He takes a wicked man, gives him a new heart and says, guess what? I'm making you an ambassador. You're an ambassador for the nation of Jesus. You are going to walk and everyone is going to know you are that Christian. You're going to be that ambassador and you're going to be a reconciler, calling and pleading with people, reconcile yourself to God. Come to know him. And I use that, I use that text because I think about Armand in the beginning, getting baptized. And what happened with him? And, and Nico also, wonderful evangelist, sharing the gospel all over the place. What happened when they rec- were reconciled with God? They became reconcilers too. And getting to see the fruit from it over and over again. There's nothing like it, guys. Absolutely nothing like it. There's no greater joy than to watch a spiritual child walk in the truth. I pray that any, everyone listening right here would get that opportunity as well. God bless.